Welcome to No Matter What. I'm Hannah Seymour, and this podcast is all about being who God created you to be no matter what. No matter your past, your current circumstances, no matter your relationship status, your career journey, no matter what life throws at you. Each episode, I invite a friend to talk about what that actually looks like, to be who God created you to be no matter what. Well, welcome to another episode of No Matter What. Last week, my dear friend Ashley Trafficant was on the show. And if you haven't listened to that episode, why don't you just go ahead and stop and start that one, listen to that one, come back to us today. Because today on the phone, I have Ashley's mama, Gwen Trafficant. Gwen, hi. How are hi, you? <laughs> I'm great now that I'm talking to you. Well, I am just so thrilled that Ashley did the show for me last week and that you're on it this week. Y'all's story, I shouldn't even say it's your story, your life has dramatically impacted my family's life and the way our lives have been interwoven and the friends that you and Jim have been to my parents and getting to grow up knowing you and your kids has just been such a gift to my family. And so I knew when I was planning the show, I mean, y'all were some of the first people that came to mind. I have to have Ashley and Gwen come and talk about being who God created them to be no matter what. So I am just so grateful and humbled that you are willing to do this. Well, thank you, Hannah. I'm very grateful for the opportunity and for the sweet long history our families have. Um, here I am today talking to my favorite babysitter, Ashley and Jeremy. <laughs> and good thing now, I wasn't like a bad babysitter, you know? Just, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. That's a good thing to have on your resume. Yeah. Um, and now I get to watch you with your sweet two little ones. It brings me so much joy. Wow. I love that. Anyway. Okay. So let's do a backdrop on just who you are. Where'd you grow up, go to college? Where do you live today? Just give me okay. like the skinny on that. So I grew up in a small town in Western Pennsylvania called Sharon, Pennsylvania. And I went to college north of Pittsburgh at Geneva College. It was a small Christian school. And there I met my husband, Jim. Yep. And you guys have two kids who are grown adults today. Yes. Who are delightful. I mm -hmm. adore both of them still. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if folks have already listened, they, I mean, they are going to know the brunt of the long story of you and Jim and Ashley and Jeremy, mm -hmm. but just in case, let's start with the high flyover. I mean, so I guess for me to go back a little bit, obviously this show is about being who God created you to be, being who he wants you to be, no matter what your circumstances are. And you have some insane circumstances that most people mm -hmm. will never have to experience. Praise God that other people won't mm -hmm. have to experience it. But you and Jim and Ashley and Jeremy, I mean, my family has watched y'all day in and day out, choose to be the will of God, choose to be committed to Christ, committed to who he is asking you to be as you walk in really hard seasons. So set the stage for us. Give us the high overview of y'all story. Okay. So if I was to share with someone what my no matter what season was, yeah. I would say that it began um, when I was newly married. Um, I married my college sweetheart, as we had talked about. And we were expecting our first child. 
And my husband, Jim, had been experiencing some kind of weird, unusual symptoms. So me being the good wife that I thought I was being, encouraged him to get a physical. We eventually were called back in for a follow-up appointment. And um, we knew as soon as we saw the doctor's face, Hannah, that what we were called in for was not good news. Mm. And it was one of those moments that take your breath away. Mm. You know, when your heart starts pounding so loud that you feel like it's thumping in your ears mm-hmm. and you just feel numb. Yeah. I was at the time 28 and pregnant with our first child, Ashley, when Jimmy was diagnosed. And the diagnosis was a rare liver disease called PSC, something, you know, I don't think that Jim and I even, I mean, we knew we had livers, (laughs) but we could (laughs) not have told you what they did or their significance, but that was all about to change. It's a chronic autoimmune disease, and it's something that has affected our family for actually the last 28 years. Our family has had four liver transplants during that time. And most recently, about 18 months ago, Ashley had her second liver transplant for the same disease that her daddy was diagnosed Mm -hmm. with, and it finished on her 28th birthday. So that's kind of my bookends. I was 28 and pregnant with my sweet Ashley when Jimmy had his diagnosis and her second transplant happened. It actually finished on her 28th birthday. That's unreal. So that's a lot of, of living in livers. And I mean, really <laughs> over the it's span like, of 28 years. Yeah. I mean, when Ashley turned 28, you had spent half of your life mm-hmm. living mm-hmm. with the consequences mm-hmm. of PSC. Mm-hmm. So if folks listened to Ashley's episode, which again, if you haven't, just go back. But again, to give a little bit more detail, Jim had two transplants. Ashley had two. They each had a living donor, which essentially sustained their life, but then they had to have a cadaveric donor. We talked about this a little bit in Ashley's episode. I mean, you, I know you had several moments where you didn't know if Jim was going to make it through the night. You, I mean, you didn't know if your husband was going to survive. Mm-hmm. You had moments with both your kids like that too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We had um, Ashley's first transplant was also a living donor. And my son, Jeremy, her sweet brother stepped up, basically pushed his way to the front of the line to be her donor. <laughs> and so, yes, I mean, I, you know, as hard as it was having, you know, I love my husband. He's a great husband and father it was unimaginable to walk this with my children, something that was totally not on our radar. Yeah. So all of that, I mean, my dad often talks about the Bible, you know, there's two authors kind of to the Bible. There's the big A author, which is the Lord. And then as in the capital A author, and then the lowercase A author are the men that he chose to inspire uh, the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit breathe through to actually put pen to paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's very true for our lives. I think that God is the big A author of our lives. He's sovereign over it all. But we mm-hmm. are little A authors. We get to make choices and take risks and sometimes mm-hmm. screw up. And so, you know, I mean, we, we certainly have authorship in our story. So it seems like such a ridiculous question to ask you. Certainly, it feels like if I said, Gwen, you know, if you were the big A author, would you have really mm-hmm. written your story to be like this? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? You know, um, my response to this question has actually changed over the years. Yeah. Initially, I would have totally written liver disease out of our story. Yeah. 
I would have chosen a healthy husband and kids. Who would, I mean, no who, life, who wouldn't you, I right? Mean, yes. No life interruptions for transplants. Yeah. Most of all, I would have totally wanted to protect. And I had a season where I fought, wrestled with God over this, yeah. any of this from falling to my kids. Yeah. You know, if I'm honest, yeah. I struggled for years with envying just the perceived ease and ability of just healthy, quote, healthy families to do what I perceived to be normal life that looked different from ours. Yeah. Yeah. When you originally got married to Jim and obviously you were planning on having kids and a family, so you wanted to be a mom. Did you have other kind of dreams or aspirations? Like maybe I also want to do some of these other things or these some areas of interest. Was there stuff like that going on in your head or were you pretty much like, I want to be full-time stay-at-home mom. That is my thing. Right. Well, I, I was a teacher by trade. I taught kindergarten for several years before right. we had children. And, you know, in my heart, I always felt like that I would want to do something else, not maybe not necessarily teaching, but I was always of the mindset that I was going to get through a season and do something the next thing. Mm. And, um, you know, even before Jimmy and I were married, when he asked me to marry him, I told him, I think I want to wait a year. I want to live on my own and get a job. I want to buy my own car. So it's kind of my wiring. Mm to kind of think, how am I going to use my gifts? Yeah. And what, what God taught me through these years and something that I wrestled with was maybe what God was doing in my life was shaping me to a different calling than I had ever anticipated. Mm. It's not something you would sign up for, yeah. but when you're trusting God to write your story because it's his story, yeah. Eventually you have to trust him with the content. Yeah. I hear my dad often talk about how caretakers are not only the unsung hero, but I mean, I think we often talk with folks and imagine how, oh gosh, it's so hard to have that liver disease or to have cancer or, you know, whoever is the one, the patient, we think about how hard that must be with the caretaker is often not thought of as much when really the caretaker in some ways has has a, a bigger burden to bear, you know, maybe a, a harder, I don't want to say harder, like mm-hmm. your family says all the time, we've all got hard, but right. um, it's, right. it's, it's a, it's a heavy role that I think people don't think about. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I interrupted you. You were saying, you know, you would have usually said, yes, I would have written out PSC from our entire story. Yes. Um, yes. But that's, that's changed for you. It has. In this process over the years, what I realized, and I realized this early on, that what I perceived as normal life for other families, you know, we never really fully know someone else's story. Yeah. Everybody has stuff. Everybody has hard things at some point that enter their life. You know, this side of heaven, the moment we hit, our feet hit the floor in the morning, we have a barrage of peace disruptors, don't we? Yeah, we sure do. <laughs> yeah, we all have struggles and we have things that come into our lives that literally have the potential to rock us to our very core. Yeah. A lot of times I refer to John 16, 33, where it talks about you will have suffering in this world. Mm. Be courageous. I have overcome the world. I have situations, and we all do, that come into our lives that I can't Google to resolve. <laughs> I can't research, medicate, counsel, yeah. fix, or control. Yep. Yep. And they all, all these things that come into our lives do have the potential to consume us with fear. Yeah. 
I do love at the beginning of that verse that it says, have I told you these things so that in me, you know, you may have peace. Mm. That it, it doesn't come as a surprise. Somehow if I come from the frame of reference that God told me this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And not only did he prepare me, but he's given me a way out and a way to deal with it and a way to walk this out. So I think if I were to write my story today, I would probably end up including chapters on the blessings of suffering. Wow. I feel like peace is sometimes best measured against the backdrop of brokenness, Wow. where you have such a sweet sense of his presence. And when everything else feels like it's stripped away, he is always enough. Hmm. When I first married Tyler... I will actually to back up before I got married, my greatest fear in life was that my dad was going to die. And and not even as a child, as much as as a adult, that was my fear. And, you know, Mm -hmm. he's had multiple back surgeries. So there, there've been some like practical reasons why I might think, you know, he's going to go to the night and and not survive it. Um, and I mean, there was even a summer where it was prior to one of his surgeries. And I was just, I was convinced that God was preparing me for his death. And like, I mean, crippled with fear during that season. And then after I got married, all of a sudden I started having nightmares that Tyler was, you know, suddenly taken from me. And Mm -hmm. I've learned talking with other women that that's like a very common thing. You, when you get married, all of a sudden that Mm -hmm. fear is, well, for me it was transferred, but that becomes a very, a common fear for Mm -hmm. women. And then I, when I would be talking about that, I would hear from my friends who were moms say, oh yeah. And then when you have children, the fear transfers to them because that's actually a bigger fear that you will have to bury a child. And so how, how did you not, how were you not gripped with fear on losing your husband, on losing your kids? I mean, how did you battle that? When you think about wrestling with fear, the fear of losing someone that you love, Mm -hmm. Um, especially a child. And I want to preface what I'm about to say is that while I've had a lot of people in my family, my husband and children go right up to the cusp of death or right up to the edge, I have not buried a spouse, a Mm -hmm. child, Mm -hmm. or even a parent as of this recording. And so I want to be sensitive to people. There's no comparisons in suffering. Yeah. We all have our catalysts for the fear and worry, discouragement, heartache, grief might be different, but the result of all those feelings and those things that come into our lives, Mm -hmm. the discouragement, despair, fear, worry, for me, they're all resolved under at the base of the cross. Mm -hmm. And when I am in a season where I'm really wrestling with fear and worry, It really helps me to remember Mm -hmm. the benefits that I have of my relationship with Christ, Mm -hmm. the trust that I place in him and knowing that for me, because Ashley and Jim and Jeremy have that same faith and same trust in Christ, I know that their eternity is secure. Yeah. And if I know that, That is something that helps me walk because everything else is coming through God's fingers. And somehow I might not know what the next weeks, months, maybe even years look like, Mm -hmm. but I do know the end of the story for me and for my people. 
So I would encourage people if they don't know that they know what their relationship and their faith is in God, Mm -hmm. that they would seek that out. And for me, time in the Bible and just studying God's word has become so incredibly precious to Mm -hmm. me that I would say that actually seasons of suffering have grown me in my desire to read God's word. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting because I think it could and sometimes does the opposite to folks. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think we're angry and we're when hard things hit, we all mm-hmm. have the choice: are we going to trust God and lean into Him, or are mm-hmm. we going to be mad about it or distrust, choose to not believe that God is good mm-hmm. and who He says He is, and then you know become distant? And mm-hmm. I just also think about my dad always saying, you know apart from suffering, I just don't know how much we grow. And it really Mm -hmm. is in those seasons Mm -hmm. of suffering. If you choose to believe that God is who he says he is and not let Mm -hmm. your circumstances tell you who God is, the opportunity Mm -hmm. for you. I mean, I think about another friend of ours who talks about in, she lost a husband and the intimacy that she gained with the Lord Mm -hmm. through the season of grieving her husband, she wouldn't have traded it. And I mean, that still baffles me today to think, I mean, would I truly say, okay, Lord, you know, take my husband so that I can have greater intimacy with mm-hmm. you, you know, and he, and, and he doesn't work like that. You know, that's, that's no. not, that's bad theology, no. but, but, um, well, and nobody walks to the front of, nobody chooses to yeah. walk to the front of the line, Mark suffering. Right. If you did, you're a fool, right? <laughs> right. Like, right. I mean, nobody wants masochist. that, yeah. but I do believe in, you know, one of my kind of personal mantras is that God doesn't waste suffering when we lean into him mm-hmm. and trust him in the middle mm-hmm. of our mess. Mm-hmm. It's for our good and his glory. Yeah. When, if we are trusting him in the middle of that, and it's hard, you know, I have definitely had my share of shower cries. Yeah. You know, those moments where, you know, as a caregiver, it's not fair to put your emotions on the people you're caring mm-hmm. for, especially your child. And I have had my shower cries where I have just begged the Lord and asked, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. How can we possibly go through this Lord again? Yeah. And God help me. I am just so I'm empty. I have nothing to give. Yeah. You've got to help me. But, you know, sometimes for me too, Hannah, it's, I've needed to shift from my emotional wrangling and decide that my focus needs to be less on what God is doing to me and what he is redeeming through me. Mm. What are the situations, people, even my own person, my heart? Yeah. What is he doing in this situation? Yeah. And um, it's amazing for me because I can wallow like the best of them. (laughs) 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 But when I pray and ask God, please help me shift my focus. I'm, I'm going down here. Yeah. I need help. And that shift has really helped me because Mm. I think also when you're going through something very hard, you can be very introspective where it it can almost become all about you and your family. Mm -hmm. And I need to kind of, Jeremy has a saying that we need to look to the horizon. Mm. And when Ashley was in the hospital during her most recent transplant and he was, he kept reminding her, even when she was initially walking around and it's such an effort with the pain and all the equipment to do your first steps after a transplant. And you can get so focused down on the next step and all the stuff around you and the pain. And Jeremy kept saying, Ashley, look up to the horizon. And for me and for my relationship and my faith in Christ, my horizon is eternity. 
And it is very hard to take the focus off what I'm wrestling with, which Mm. it's realistic to have the normal fears and concerns and anxieties. But I think for me, it's not what I am feeling emotionally, but where I choose to dwell. Mm. And I think there are times in our life, especially when we're struggling, where we need to make choices. And for me, one of the choices is I have to shift where my thoughts dwell. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to dwell on the, why is God doing this? And this is how I feel. And these are my fears. And yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm going to choose instead Mm -hmm. to trust him, trust him at his word. Mm -hmm. You had mentioned just the fear we as moms have about the well-being of our children. Yeah. We recently did in one of our mentoring ministries at our church, a survey of mothers or preschoolers. And one of the questions was, what is your greatest fear? And as you indicated, the overwhelming response was something happening to yeah. my children. Yeah. And I can totally relate to that. I know we all can yeah. as moms, especially. Yeah. And I love the story of Abraham and Isaac. And what really stands out to me is his willingness to obey, knowing full well what God was asking him to do, that he was asking him to take his son, his only son, his precious child, and sacrifice him. And Abraham was obedient. And not only was he obedient, but he didn't delay in his obedience. It goes on to say, early the next morning, he prepared and began the journey to Moriah. And then thirdly, the thing that really stands out to me is not only was he obedient and he was quick to, he didn't delay in his obedience, but he also acknowledged and stated, declared that God would provide. And he Mm -hmm. declared that before he knew the outcome, which is amazing. I mean, that is tremendous faith and such an example to me. And then he also commits himself to worship it says he told his servants stay here with the donkey while i and the boy go over there we will worship and we will come back to you Mm. Mm. and to make a decision to worship on the front end before you know the outcome of your circumstances is such an extreme example of faith to me and something that i know my own personal frailties and how i wrestle when it comes especially to my children with worry and fear that I need, sometimes I need accountability. Yeah. One of our transplants was, as we had talked about, was a living donor transplant and Ashley was the recipient and Jeremy was the donor. So I had my two children in a 10 hour life threatening because this is our third transplant. So our eyes are very wide open. Yeah. And that morning we had to get up around 4 a.m. to get ready to drive into the hospital. And I made a decision that I was going to put on my social media. Psalm 118, 24. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I put this on my social media the morning of Ashley and Jeremy's surgery for two reasons. One, I wanted it to be a testimony of where our hope, that our hope didn't lie just in outcomes. Yeah, But I also, if I'm honest, knew that I would need accountability, Yeah, that I would need people to remind me, friends, close friends, 
that my hope was not in surgery outcomes, Mm -hmm. not even in the lives of my family, which we all desire to have long lives together with the people we love. Mm -hmm. But it was solely in who God was in his character and the relationship I have with him because of what Jesus did on the cross. Mm. So good. When I think about the story of Abraham and Isaac, I often, our pastor mentioned this once, just the idea of when did God dispatch the ram? Mm. And I think it's easy for us to read stories like that and think like, oh yeah. And then the ram just magically Mm -hmm. or not magically, but like supernaturally just (laughs) appeared, you know, out of nowhere. And no, what, I mean, could God do that? Sure. More than likely though, he dispatched that ram weeks prior to Mm -hmm. the moment that Abraham would turn and, and see it in the thicket. And I love that picture. And I think about it all the time because I I just think about, we know what God is asking of us and is calling us to for today. And Mm -hmm. I know I have to obey, but the comfort that he's not just there and he's not just in the details. Like he has predestined the Mm -hmm. the provision Mm -hmm. long before I even knew that I was going to need it. Mm -hmm. And that's how loving he is and how caring he is and how he's not just sovereign over it all. He is masterfully, (laughs) uh, creatively (laughs) sovereign over it all. Just want to interrupt this conversation for a second to talk about high school graduation gifts. Tis the season when students are graduating high school and headed off to college. And I have the perfect gift for you to give a college bound girl. It's my book, The College Girls Survival Guide, which I wrote for my 10 plus years of working on college campuses and mentoring college students. It's biblically based, but a super practical approach on how to handle the ups and downs of college life, covering the top 52 biggest concerns of college women today. Things ranging from roommate conflicts to dating relationships, how to stand firm in your faith, to finding career direction. You can buy it from me at hannahseymour.com and I will personalize it by writing a note to your college-bound girl and sign it for free if you just use the code, no matter what, all one word, at hannahseymour.com. But get it now because I have a limited amount of copies. Again, that's code, no matter what, at hannahseymour.com. Okay. So two questions. One, were there any lies? I think a lot of times we are tempted to let our circumstances tell us who God is. So Mm -hmm. were there any lies that you were tempted to believe, whether it's just like God is not, he does not care. He is not like, this is like, God is not fair. Um, And then two, in tandem with that, what did your conversations look like with God? I would have to say that Jim and I especially wrestled with the fairness from our perception, the fairness of Ashley, you know, we'd walked this with Jimmy twice. We dealt with this liver disease. Somehow it, in our minds, it felt like, okay, this is enough. We're good. We're ready to move on. When this fell to Ashley and we had her initial diagnosis, yeah. it was, it was gut-wrenching. Yeah. We felt like really Lord, I, we're, this just doesn't feel fair. This feels like we've had enough. Yeah. But I feel like one of the blessings that came out of that kind of wrestling and wrangling and questioning God a little bit about the fairness of this is I, it really, for me, changed the way I pray. Hmm. I, I know my own frailties. I know that I have 
a tendency to worry and question and wish away things that are very hard, especially when it falls to my children. Yep. But my circumstances have definitely changed the way I pray. I pray my request, knowing that God does hear me and I can confidently approach him in any situation. But I've also started praying that God would prepare my heart for what only in his sovereignty knows, because I want to respond obediently, no matter what. (laughs) And I know full well that I cannot do that on my own. I just can't. I need him. So thankfully, and I would say totally by his grace, I believe praying this way over the last several years, especially has shifted my longings for an obedient heart over circumstance resolution. And it's only God that can do that. Yeah. You know, the other verse that I have that is very um, meaningful to me, and I actually have it as part of my signature in my emails, is that God is my help. It is the Lord that Mm -hmm. sustains me. Hmm. And I know full well that what might appear as strength to some people who have watched our situations, I know who I am. I am not strong on my own. My heart is easily pulled astray by fear and worry and questioning. But to rein that in, I need to really trust God and remember that he is the source of my strength. You mentioned earlier that the caregiver really can't process and share what's going on in their heads and their hearts with their loved ones because usually their loved ones are their Mm -hmm. are their patients you know you you couldn't have burdened Jim with that I shouldn't even say burdened I mean but you didn't you didn't want it to be a burden so you you know and then you're definitely not going to do that to your kids so where where did you find encouragement who did you lean on so as I had mentioned before I Seasons of suffering have really pulled me back into just really knowing God's word, you know, out of desperation, honestly, at times for answers, for encouragement, for hope. I love reading through Psalm 119. I like to do it in January because it reminds me of the benefits of reading God's word. Multiple times the psalmist declares, I have put my hope in your word. So we all want to have hope. And sometimes we're in situations that from where we're looking, they're very hopeless. So where am I going to find my hope? And I, if I know that I can put my hope in God's word, then I need to read it. (laughs) I need to understand the benefits. So in Psalm 119, there's just, there's highlights that I just go through and your promise has given me life. Great peace. Have they who love your law nothing can make them stumble. Several times it talks about, I put my hope in your word. Mm -hmm. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Lord, give me life according to your word, not according to my circumstances, but according to what your word tells me about your character, who you are, the hope I have, because I can know through a relationship in Jesus that I, my eternity is secure. Not sick. There's not any sickness not even death yep. can take away where I will spend eternity if I have trusted in you. Yep. The other thing that is very significant in your sweet mama has, I have a long history with her is friendships, friendships that you mm-hmm. can reach out to mm-hmm. people that 
you can trust with your unfiltered thoughts, who are wise and can discern when to listen and when it's time for them to speak some truth into your situation. Mm -hmm. And um, I have some great friends that have definitely been there for me and family that I think it's your dad had, well, says they haven't gotten tired of us being sick and tired. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of friends, I mean, I know there are folks listening who they may not be going through a similar situation, but there's a friend of theirs or family member of theirs that they're like, wow, they are going through something similar. or They have just been on a really long journey of caregiving or what would you say to those people? Like, how do they be a good friend to someone that is in a season of hardship like this or is a caregiver like this? There's three things I think of my top three. I would say that I share with people who have asked me, you know, what do I, how do I come alongside my friend? What, what would have, what was beneficial to you? And for me, I would say, and I would encourage them to just keep showing up. Mm. And that doesn't mean that you guilt yourself or that you have to feel like, I don't know what they need, but be available and be willing to be turned away. If they're in a place where they just need to kind of be in their situation, you know, caregiving is all consuming. And sometimes there is not a lot left over for the other relationships in your life. But to have friends that just keep showing up, and I have had great friends that have done that. Um, And I would also encourage people to just listen. I feel like sometimes we, and I know I do this, you feel like you have to have just the right word. I need to have a word of encouragement. I need to just, you know, breathe life into their situation with some verse or you don't have to have the right words. Sometimes the best thing you can give is your presence. The other thing that has been very encouraging to me over the years is I've had several friends who have written out Bible verses and um, just sometimes on little cards on a ring that I could take with me, easily accessible encouragement. I can't tell you, I have some well-worn ones. I have about three different sets from three different friends. (laughs) And these have gone with me. They've helped me spend my time in waiting rooms and hospital situations outside of emergency rooms when I was just not sure how a certain situation would turn out. To have that available and flip through it and be able to see truth that kind of anchors your soul is wonderful. And then the third thing is really the value of prayer. Just knowing people are praying for you and letting that person know they're praying for you in your circumstances. It is just life-giving, especially when there are times when you're honestly so weary that you almost can't pray for yourself, but you know that you have friends that are faithfully praying for you. And sometimes just shooting them a text, I'm praying for you. And then the grace to know that it was something I always kind of encourage caregivers is you do not have to return texts and emails. Yeah, There's grace in that. And the best relationships will remain long after your stuff <laughs> <Right>. is over. <laughs> right. But right. sometimes just a short text saying, I'm praying for you. Yeah. is life-giving. I know you've already mentioned several different verses that you've really clung to, but just thinking about your key rings of note cards with Bible verses on them, are there some verses that just immediately pop into your mind that some of those well-worn <laughs> <laughs> cards? Yes, I definitely have a few. 
for me, again, I, I think I've mentioned many times, I wrestle with fear and worry and mm-hmm. just making decisions to trust God in the middle of my stuff. So some of the verses for me that are really helpful are verses about fear. Yeah. Um, Psalm 56, three, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. Isaiah 26, three, four. And this also speaks to me about when I talked about earlier, choosing where I dwell, some of the normal emotions that we have in the middle of unbearable circumstances are okay, but it's choosing where to dwell and not wallow. And so I love this verse, Isaiah 26, three to four, which I think is a go-to for a lot of people in this situation. You will keep in perfect peace. And I have circled peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed. And I have thoughts and fixed highlighted to remind myself where to put my thoughts. Trust in the Lord always for the Lord God is an eternal rock. So it reminds me where my peace is going to come from and that it is a result of my thoughts being fixed, not on my situation, but on God and that I can trust him because he is the eternal rock and my eternity is secure because of my relationship with him. And then one other verse that was actually my verse for this last transplant with Ashley that we had was um, out of Romans 15, 13. Mm. I pray that God, the source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him, that you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And I love that that verse, it tells me not only where my source of joy and peace come from as a result of my trusting in him, but I don't have to do this in my own power. He actually tells me that I will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy spirit. I don't know if I saw you post that at some point, but it's so funny because I have Romans 15, 13 on a giant canvas (laughs) in Pax's room. Because, you know, as you know, we named Pax is Latin for peace. Yes. And when we found out I was pregnant with Pax, that was the word. I mean, that just kept coming to my mind over mm. and over again. Every time I prayed for him, peace, peace, mm-hmm. peace. And just really um, felt like the Lord gave me that word for Pax and mm-hmm. started praying that over him, that he would be a man of peace. He was a peace of countenance, that he would bring peace into every relationship he was in and every room he stepped mm. into. And so I you know, I mean, there's so many Bible verses about peace, but that was the one that I just really Mm -hmm. like locked in step with. And I think part of it was, I loved the, exactly what you said. One, the power comes from the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. It's nothing that you muster up, but the two, there is an active part to our piece of it, which is we have to trust Mm -hmm. and, and, and through our trusting, God fills us with hope and peace and to the point that it's overflowing. And, mm-hmm. um, anyway, I pray that over Pax. I mean, literally every time I'm in his room, mm-hmm. I pray that over Isaac as well and, and Tyler and our family. And, but it's funny because I, I think early on at some point, it was like my brain associated that verse mm-hmm. with you. Yeah. Um, and, and, and maybe it was just this like subliminal connection. <laughs> I had seen it, but I don't know. I mean, I really think part of it is as I was kind of parsing it out, was like, man, I've seen Gwen do this. I have seen her choose to trust because it's a choice. Mm-hmm. We don't always feel like, you know, <laughs> I, I totally feel it, Lord. I've got faith and I yeah. trust you. And so it's a choice. It's a choice to trust. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, you know, you are one of the most peaceful countenance 
people that I know. (laughs) And there's no reason based on your circumstances that you should be that way. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, your circumstances, it would make sense if you were just a ball of fear and anxiety Mm -hmm. and all of your energy was that. So I love, I mean, uh, Mm -hmm. who knows again, who knows if that, I really connected that Mm -hmm. to you just subliminary what, but. Well, it's definitely my struggle, especially in in situations where we're facing something like a transplant and (laughs) I do, I have it printed out and I, I do this with a lot of the verses I mentioned. I have the Isaiah 26, three, four about focusing your thoughts and perfect peace on my desk. So anytime I would open my laptop to look at usually lab results, I would look at yeah. that person and think, okay, Lord, I'm about to open up what I don't know is about to, you know, what information I'm about to see, but I have to remember where my th- thoughts are fixed, where my trust lies. And the verse, the Romans 15, I pray the source of hope. I keep that on my counter. So when I'm getting ready in the morning, before I start my day, I ground myself. Okay. My hope and my joy and my peace most likely are not going to come from my, my situations or the yeah. things that come into my life today, yeah. but that, I, yeah. but I need to be reminded where that comes from. Yep. Man. So for folks listening to this and they're going through something similar, what would you say to them? How do you encourage them? I would tell them, and this sounds very simplified, but sometimes I'm a simple person that I had a mantra that I would say, especially in the early years when the kids were little, and I would say to them, don't give up and don't blame God. Hmm. And I think that sometimes our no matter what can feel like a dark tunnel, like a long, dark tunnel. And we long to see some glimmer of light. And I also believe that we tend to quit. I know sometimes I've been on the borderline of like, okay, I'm done. Just before we are about to round the corner and see daylight. And then the other aspect of not blaming God, not that we, it doesn't mean that we don't wrestle as I've talked about with fear and go through the process of grieving the hard stuff. Yeah. But it's not about denying your normal emotions, but again, it's where you choose to dwell with your thoughts. So the other thing that I would encourage, and this is something I've tried to do over the years in my own life, is cultivate thankfulness in your heart. And sometimes that means looking for the greater gift. When I cultivate thankfulness, it does, as Jeremy talks, lift my eyes to the horizon. It gets me, takes my focus off what I'm currently going through and struggling with and keeps eternity in my sight. After Ashley and Jeremy's transplant, they both had follow-up appointments. Jeremy was followed for two years, and Ashley had the same appointments, but she was followed a little bit longer. This was the third transplant in our family, and most of Ashley and Jeremy's childhood, they had, as we talked about, a sick daddy. He had two transplants and an episode of sepsis. And during that season, besides Jimmy surviving... My greatest concern was that at some point my children might say, okay, I'm done. Yep. So my daily prayer was that my children would not turn their back on Jesus. That it would be okay if they wrestled and questioned and grieved information, but they would not turn their back on Jesus. Mm-hmm. After Ashley's first transplant, she and I were an appointment in Minnesota, a follow-up appointment where they did some imaging and it was routine. 
we went back to the hotel and she was kind of sleeping off her um, drugs from that procedure. And she was awakened by a phone call. And it was that kind of call, Hannah, where you hear her on the phone and you know that the information that she's hearing is not good news. Yeah. And she was told at that time that her disease had come back. It was a rediagnosis. And, um, you know, we grieved the information. We talked about how we would share it with the guys. Jimmy wisely counseled us that he would share it with Jeremy first and give him an opportunity to, to grieve the information process a little bit before Ashley and he talked. And I had the privilege and in God's gracious, unbelievable kindness to me, he allowed me to hear the answer to that prayer. Not the prayer, Lord, please protect Ashley from getting sick again. I think one and done would be great. Yeah. <laughs> but as, as when Ashley's cell phone rang and I heard her answer the phone, there was a long silence on her end. The kind of silence with tearful acknowledgments, evidence of two hearts united in prayer that washes mercy over your soul in only a way that prayer in Jesus can do. And at that moment, I realized while I really long for Ashley to have good health and not a reoccurrence of disease, my greater prayer had been answered mm. and that he allowed me, not only did he answer that prayer, but he graciously allowed me to witness that being answered. And I thought at that moment, how can I not be thankful even in the midst of this? Yeah. So for me, I, wow. when I cultivate <laughs> thankfulness in my life, it lifts my eyes to to the horizon of what is eternity and what is yep. secure and no disease, yep. no struggle, no hardship, no financial problems, no marriage problems can rob you because you know the end of your story. Wow. Gwen, I have heard you say before, and this blows my mind, that you choose to see your circumstances as your calling. Mm -hmm. I want, I want to hear you unpack that a little bit and then help us all apply that to whatever circumstance we're in. But I mean, thinking about a lot of times we are in circumstances that we do not like. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really easy to think, oh, this isn't what God has called me to. There's, you know, uh, God has a wonderful plan for your life and like all that. Like that's true. Right. But in our like Western American Christian minds, that's like a life of comfort and enough money and right. all the things that we want, all of our hopes and dreams are actualized and but the truth is you're right your circumstance is your calling mm -hmm. I mean help us with that mm -hmm. this is something I have definitely wrestled with and in the early years I would think of my situation as okay we'll get through this next thing this next transplant get everybody back on their feet and then I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do next well this was kind of like Groundhog's Day this kept happening <laughs> And I eventually thought, okay, Lord, I need to adjust my expectations. I need to trust you with my story. I am trying to control the pen mm -hmm. and you are writing a different story than I anticipated, but you don't make mistakes. I can trust you. And not only do you not make mistakes, but you, if I lean into you, if I, trust who you are, if I learn who, what your character is in the Bible, if I read about who you are, then you will empower me with your Holy Spirit. You're going to help me. Mm -hmm. And I, I would, this is the most recent time when Ashley was re-diagnosed, I told her, you know, Ashley, 
This is not something I would wish for you, but this is a very high calling because God is entrusting you with his story. And he is demonstrating all the benefits of salvation and knowing him through suffering. And that is a very high calling. And I would say, I think my daughter has definitely walked that out much better than I have. But I do know that when I surrendered what my idea of what my life should look like, and I trusted God with the story, he was already in the process of writing. I had peace. And the other thing that occurred to me, what if I'm fighting against, what if this thing that I'm constantly fighting against, being a caregiver, kind of this circular transplant story, is actually God preparing me to be used in ways I could have never imagined because he is sovereign and I am not. (laughs) It's a very sweet place to be stripped of everything emotionally, your physical strength. Mm. And sometimes your dreams yeah. to know yeah. that you are fully relying on God. Mm. Sometimes our dreams meet reality and we have to choose hope. Mm. Makes me think of Ephesians 3.20 in a totally different light. Mm-hmm. Now to him who was able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. I think so often we think of that in like really positive. I mean, it is, a, it is positive, but it's again, it's mm-hmm. like I'm praying you know, I'm praying for a spouse, I'm praying for children, I'm praying for, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. again, this, these very earthly things that we're desiring. And if God has called you to your circumstance, your hard, whatever your hardship is, he is able to do immeasurably more than you can imagine with that hardship, in that Mm -hmm. hardship, through that hardship, according to the rest of the verse, his power that works mightily within us. Mm -hmm. Gwen, thank you so much for your friendship to me, to my parents, for your presence in our life. And thank you for being on the show. As y'all know, the music on my podcast is by my dear friend, Shaylee Simeon. Go check her out wherever you listen to music. You are going to love it. And a special shout out to Rainbow Island on Apple Podcasts. She says, yes, yes, yes. Listen to both the intro and episode one. And I'm so blown away for how excited I am for this. Like it's goofy. I'm so happy to see Hannah has a podcast and knowing how great she is. I'm excited to be hearing from people she loves and admires because I know they'll be great too. Rainbow Island. Thank you. I adore you. Thank you so much for rating and reviewing the show. We'll see y'all next week.